Loud Luxury had heard the record and instantly thought they could do something with it. I'm like, sure, you can, you know, you could mess around with it, see what you can do. Welcome to another Quarantine Conversation, this time with Brando. We chat about growing up in LA, trying to make it in music, and working with Loud Luxury and Pitbull. So, Brando, uh, sit back, relax, um, you know, where do you find yourself at the moment? Are you in L.A.? Uh, yeah, I'm actually in L.A. I live in uh, Woodland Hills area. I'm not, I'm not sure if you've been out here before. I uh, have. I've been uh, more so the Atwater Village, West Hollywood area. Okay, okay. Yeah, so, so Woodland Hills is kind of like the valley uh, section of, of L.A., more kind of like the suburbs of here. Um, so it's pretty, you know, pretty relaxed, but everything's been in quarantine ever since probably February, March, maybe. Yeah. Like we've never really come out of quarantine, which has been a pain, but you know, I guess everyone's dealing with that at the same time. And, and what, what has you been um, doing the last, you know, couple of months, last couple of weeks, it's just been head down trying to make some music. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I started getting back into sessions probably three weeks ago, started doing in-person sessions again. Uh, and that's been fun because I've always been more of like an in-person type of guy, you know, where I, for me, it's hard to uh, create over things like Zoom or, you know, FaceTime and stuff like that, because you kind of lose something that you get while you're there in the moment in a studio or, you know, at someone's home or, you know, things like that. Uh, so, <laughs> so this whole quarantine has been a whole, you know, a whole ordeal and just trying to figure out like how, like, how can I continue making music while everyone's just stuck in their apartments, stuck at home, um, you know, dealing with, <laughs> dealing with bad audio quality over Zoom and, you know, things like that. So, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. Uh, if we, like, run it back a little. So, are you born in L.A.? Like, born and raised in L.A.? Grew up yeah, in L.A.? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I was born here. Um, Spent spent majority of my life here, but I spent probably four or five years living in Oregon where most of my like extended family lives. Uh, so that was kind of like uh, more of like a rural experience compared to living in LA that has like so many different cultures, so many different uh, lifestyles in it and everything. So yeah. And when did sort of music sort of take over and, and you find that passion for music? And, and then I guess you... Yeah decide to pursue that as a career? Uh, music's always been in my life because um, my father was in the music business all, all of his life. He's always been, you know, like a guitarist for um, funk R&B bands. Uh, and then now he's also a manager. He's on the management side of things. And so I kind of grew up going to all those like festivals, R&B festivals, meeting all those artists and bands and everything like that. So it's kind of always been uh, embedded in my own life, whether I wanted it to or not. Uh, and so, yeah, I also, you know, through that influence, I always did like choirs, like church choirs, school choirs, all, always had, you know, like the typical, you know, uh, rock bands that I was trying to get off the ground during middle school and high school and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, learned how to play the guitar and started singing and all that. Um, but in terms of deciding to to choose it as like a career path, I think I was more so senior year in high school. Where I was like, okay, this is really what I want to do with my life versus like, oh, this is just fun. Like, this is what I do for fun. 
Yeah, and around that time, sort of made in LA, I guess, was established by yourself. Right, right. Yeah, established with me and my other friend. Um, we kind of went through multiple phases of trying to add other people, but then it would turn out that we were the most committed people. Everyone else wouldn't show up. So it just wound up just being a duo between me and uh, my producer buddy. And like, did you opt for like college or school to like learn about music or was it just learning on the job, quote unquote? Yeah, just more so learning on the job. Um, you know, through my dad, I was able to get into um, writing groups very early on. So I was still in high school and I was already working at studios and stuff like that. Um, so it kind of was just trial by error, you know, in a, in a sense. Uh, I, never, I never really believed in going to music school because I feel like, uh, especially the type of music I make, it's not something when you go to music school, they really teach you. Because music school is more about theory and jazz and, you know, like notation and, you know, very, like very strict and very, uh, you know, rudimental in the ways they do things. Whereas more like the pop dance music side, R&B side, they don't really teach you those kind of things. So I always just felt like um, I'd rather go to regular college and pursue music at the same time. So I wound up doing uh, a marketing degree at my, my local college while I, was, while I was still going to the studio every day and, and pursuing my career. Yeah, for sure. And like what, I guess, sound were you uh, going for in, with Made in LA? It sounds like, from what I've heard, is, is that sort of Drake, Blinding Lights, uh, The Weeknd. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we were very, uh, we were very inspired for sure by like the weekend, like the nineteen seventy five was huge influences. Uh, definitely Drake. You know, very, um, very like dark R and B pop. I guess you would say was the was the lane we were going in. Kind of Majid Jordan a bit, but more pop. Um, and then eventually, you know, kind of leads into meeting <laughs> meeting Loud Luxury because we were. You know, we were a band by that time for probably four years or so. Um, and we had just got signed to Neo's, um, like, little record, <laughs> little record label he had going on. We had just been signed to uh, him, and we were working on, like, EPs and all that stuff. So we started doing gigs around town here in L.A. And one of those gigs was at this little French bar here called Poor Vu, like a little tiny place, kid you not. Like you, you could spit and hit the other wall, you know, like very small. And so uh, we played, we played a show there as like an opener for one of our friends and Loud Luxury actually were in town. They already had moved to LA and they came to see the main act, which was our friend at the time, but they're Canadian. So they showed up early, you know? Um, so they saw, um, they saw us perform and it was by far like one of the worst performances I had ever done. Like it was, the audio was terrible because the sound guy there didn't really like us and wouldn't let us use our own sound guy. And everything was just going haywire. My guitar sounded bad. The keys sounded bad. Uh, and yet still, they came up to me afterwards and was like, hey, we, you know, we love your performance. Like, we'd love to work with you. I'm like, okay, well, like, if you think that's good, then sure, you know, like, uh, like sure thing, we'll go and meet each other. And so um, after that, went to their place and at the time they were living in this really like strange apartment in Hollywood because um, they were addicted to this idea of being in Hollywood you know like being in the midst of everything 
But when you Mecca. grow up here, in LA, yeah, exactly. But the funny thing is when you grow up here in LA, everyone kind of knows Hollywood's like, like it's like, <laughs> it's like a dump, you know, it's weird. It's weird, but it's, it's basically a dump for, you know, more for tourists and a lot of like weird things going on, like a lot of druggies and a lot, it's really strange. Hollywood's a weird area. And so they had moved there kind of unknowingly and were living in this like one bedroom apartment, like sharing a bed, everything. It was crazy. And I went, went there and the first day, you know, just started playing them songs that I had already done uh, in the past. And one of those songs was the original to Body, which was like an R&B dance club song that I had made uh, while I was in Made in LA. And we just kind of made it just joking around in a sense. Um, we were trying to place it at the time. I think we were, um, we were trying to place it with Tanache a long time ago and that never worked out. And so it just kind of sat for a long time and Loud Luxury had heard the record and instantly thought they could do something with it. I'm like, sure, you can, you know, you could mess around with it, see what you could do. Sent them the acapella. A few months later, I was in the middle of taking finals at my college uh, and they had, they had sent me a text back saying like, oh, hey, like we finished that song you had sent us. I was like, oh, cool, let me see. They played it. And at the time, honestly, it was the, since it was the first dance song I had ever made, I didn't think it was anything like, oh, wow, this is like groundbreaking or new or anything like that, because I wasn't really listening to the genre too much. And so I was like, oh, cool, like, you know, just let me know, like, if you, when you want to release it, all that kind of stuff. A year later, they wind up releasing it and just instantly connected and everything's been insane ever since, honestly. Yeah, crazy stuff, right? Um, what about like when they came to your show? Did you know they were in the building? Did you even know of Loud Luxury back then? No, no. Because also at the time, um, they were still coming up at the time, you know, very um, not, they weren't necessarily new to the game. They were you know, doing the typical DJ circuit, like the colleges, um, that kind of thing, the small clubs, being openers for other DJs. So they were doing the circuit, but they weren't um, really too well known at the time. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't know the man. Plus on top of that, I wasn't in the dance scene at all. So I would have no idea. Even if, you know, even if uh, like Don Diablo or someone else walked in the room, I would have had no idea who it was, you know, like at that time. Um, so yeah, I didn't know um who they were they were just standing in the front you know standing in the front row watching us play you know watching us have a disaster of a performance essentially um and you know they were just super nice guys and you know saw the potential super early on and it just worked yeah for sure um i think i think the success in australia is just a testament to that um, right, of course, yeah. crazy but like you know you talked about signing to a like a label um and and people on the periphery of music just hear about like horror stories about signing to different labels um do you want to go into like the process of how that sort of works yeah usually um at least at that time since we were we had been in the music business for a long time but in terms of success we hadn't had any like real success yet so kind of when you're new and haven't had anything going it's more like you're just found, you know, it's weird. It's a weird process, but they just like find you just, you know, via, via friends, like connections that you build up over time. And so at that time we had actually had a friend that wanted to be signed to Neo's company. So he was, he was doing his thing, just trying to, you know, 
get connected. And my bandmate at the time went with him uh, to meet Neo and his manager and all that stuff. And instead of, <laughs> instead of uh, Neo and his manager liking the music our friend made, he, he had somehow heard our music instead and wanted to sign us instead, which was, you know, an awkward experience, I bet, but you know. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it was, it was just kind of, just kind of random in a sense of, uh, unexpected and just based on just, you know, working hard and, and building up connections over time. Yeah, for sure. And there, is there like a, I guess, a, a, a value exchange where they sign you to a label and then they kind of yeah. like encourage you to put out X number of tracks within a year or something like that? Um, uh, I, I, it kind of depends on your label and like your situation. Like my situation right now with Armada, they're just very, um, very like open to what I want to do. And, you know, they I, I feel like certain labels like Armada are very artist friendly, but then there's other labels that are m much more so um, like profit driven and business driven. And you need to do this and this, and you need to act this way. That might not be what you naturally would act like or, your, you know, creativity wise, like they'll limit your creativity just because they think it will like, this will be better than this. Um, so luckily I haven't really had to experience that. Um, early on, we did have some trouble uh, with our deal just based on uh, just difference of opinion on how to like take things, I guess you'd say, especially as a band. Um, you know, there's, there's certain things where it's like, you're just, so you're so into the creativity aspect, you kind of miss the point of also trying to make it a success. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's hard to explain, but- um, You're trying to get paid at least a little. <laughs> yeah, at that time, you know, I was just so committed to like the vision that, um, you know, you kind of just forget about the part of like, hey, like we're not really making money though. <laughs> like, you know, like- Well, that's when, you haven't, when you haven't made money or anything from music, I feel like, not making money is fine. But once you've started right. to make money, it's like, I kind of need a bit here. Right. Like you kind of need to balance it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and obviously the goal is to be um, fully creative and, and exactly have express your ideas the way you want to express them and be able to, um, you know, earn a living. But some, sometimes it just depends. Uh, but my current situation with Armada is great because they let me, they let me express myself without also, you know, suffering from not having any success at all. You know? and, and just on that, like LA is the Mecca for music, like people from all over the world, all over the country, um, right. you know, go to LA to sort of make it. Um, what's the grind like to try and get your name out there? Oh, I mean, it's, it's tough for sure. Like I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't lie and just make it seem like it's a fairy tale. Like, oh, it's so easy or something like that. Um, for sure, it's it's one of those things where you have to put in a lot of time and a lot of a lot of effort and a lot of long nights. And you know, um, like in my in my case, I hadn't had any success until uh, at least real success until uh, Body blew up, and that was by that time I was already maybe five years into, into my career, into just strictly working professionally in music. I was already like five years in. So, you know, most, most of the time it's not, people only see like the overnight success part. You know, they only see that little frame of like, oh wow, like you have a hit song.
like you must have just started or something like that. But most of the time, you know, that's not the case. You know, you, you had been putting in years of effort of years of like not having anything, like no money, no anything to then have like that, that spark, you know? Hey, well, you're uh, making up for lost time now uh, with some success, <laughs> yeah, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> true. I'm very So thankful. when, or well, I guess with Body, uh, when you released Body, what was your expectation of the track? What was your, what were you hoping, I guess, numbers wise or reception wise? You know, it's funny because um, I remember talking with them about numbers and everything like that. And, and I think at the time, their biggest, their biggest track had, uh, 10 million streams or something, I think like that. Yeah, something like that. And we had been hoping, we're like, oh, like we think Body could probably do like 30 million or something, which at the time was like, wow, wow. You know, especially, especially when you're um, used to having nothing, <laughs> you know, in a sense, 30 million is like, whoa, like crazy, crazy. Um, so and then it came out and, you know, instantly started beating everyone's expectations really early on. Uh, and so I think, I think within a few months, it had already passed 30 million. And then just kind of, I, once it hit, it released it at the end of October, 2017. And by the time it hit January is when it really started getting picked up on radio internationally. And once it hit that, it was, you know, crazy. You'd see the numbers shoot up every day. And at one point, I think it peaked at like, two and a half million a day or three million a day on Spotify. So, you know, that, at that time it was just like, the numbers just become like a constant stream and you just, it all blurs, you know, it's, it's very strange. It's, it's a strange feeling. What about like um, the lyrics of the song? You talk about, uh, I've written down here, like riding through the six. Is that a throwback to like made in LA thinking you're Drake? Uh, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. That was the throwback, yeah. Um, you know, at the time, since we were just making so much R&B music, you know, that was right, right around that time is when Drake started referencing like Toronto as the six and everything like that. And he was just so influential on uh, the R&B hip hop side of things in general. So we started putting, you know, things like that into, into the song. And this is way before I'd ever been to Canada, anything like that. I just started putting, you know, references like that into our songs and, uh, yeah, it was pretty funny because then Loud Luxury were actually the first Canadians I had met as well. <laughs> like, so random. Uh, and they were like, oh, like, have you been to Toronto before? I'm like, no. They're like, oh, why'd you put, like, the six in, you know, in your song? I'm like, I have no idea. It just sounded cool, you know, at the time. Uh, so, yeah, those re the, I've always been big into um, kind of, like, tongue-in-cheek words in my songs and, like kind of just fun, like funny little sayings in, in songs. I always think it's, it's cool to have like a catchphrase or something like that. Never really like focusing on making sure like, oh, I need to have a catchphrase. It just kind of happens, but based on how like I am, my personality and everything. Uh, so it just kind of wound up in there and that became like the song everyone knew. Yeah, and then you go to obviously, you go to, you go to Canada with the, uh, the Junos. I'd never heard of the Junos until I like researched about the Junos. Had you heard about the Junos? Oh, uh, no, actually I hadn't known about the Junos actually until ironically, until we had been uh, nominated for, for a few of them. That was when I first found out about the Junos. I was like, Oh, like it's the Canadian version of the Grammys essentially, you know? And uh, 
going up there was incredible. Being able to play at the Junos was amazing. Their, their setup for the show was incredible. You know, all the, all the lighting, the amount of people there. It was, it was, in, uh, it was in London, Ontario in one of their, I think it's called the Budweiser Arena or something like that. It's huge, huge, like hockey arena. And, you know, filled the capacity with people and uh, just, just an incredible experience in general to play there. And then do you go on like a massive run of shows with, uh, with the Loud Luxury guys um, to, you know, promote, I guess, body and, and play a bunch of shows? Oh uh, yeah, we did, we did a bunch of festivals together. Um, so we did here in Southern California, we did Hard Summer. Um, we did Il Sonique in Montreal, which was amazing. Um, Veld in Toronto. Uh, and then the boys went and played uh, Tomorrowland. And you know, like definitely all the, all the festivals you could think of, especially dance festivals, you know, they were all hit. <laughs> and, uh, and what was that like for you? Cause that I assume would have been your first sort of exposure to like the big time circuit, I guess you could call it. Right, right. What was amazing, cause um, you know, for us, we got to experience things at the same time. Like it was also their first time playing big festivals and everything like that. So it was all a new experience for everyone involved, which was great. Um, it's definitely trippy, especially uh, with like the large festivals because like, play, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever played live or done anything like that? No, I've just been in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, there's like a weird effect essentially where once you pass a certain number of people, everything kind of starts to blur, you know, like in terms of like the crowd. Um, so once you're talking about like some of these festivals were, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 plus, once it all blurs into that, that amount of people, it's like a, like a blob, like a blob of energy. In a, in a oh, weird yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. Like, same, same as being on a sports field, right? Like the crowd around you. I know what you right, mean. Right, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so really, you're just feeling everyone's energy, and it's amazing. It's, it's, it's hard to describe. You kind of just have to be there to, to feel it. Um, but then at the same time, you're worried about multiple things at once, you know, like making sure you're on, on key, uh, making sure you're just hitting everything right. And then the problem for me was always, um, you know, especially with a lot of a lot of DJ sets, they love pyro. They love, you know, they love their little pyrotechnics going off. And so they'd always have to tell me to um, like avoid certain things on the stage to not get burnt, you know, to not get like lit up. Uh, so that was that was always interesting trying to like like you know run through a maze essentially while singing and and trying not to get lit on fire. <laughs> Did you have any close calls, you know, through the practice runs? Uh, honestly, there was close calls on the actual, um, on the actual shows themselves because sometimes things just don't go exactly how the plan is, you know? And so, uh, yeah, there was, I think the closest call was probably in, in Montreal where, you know, they had a huge lineup of, of pyro, like little jets essentially all across the front of the stage. And, yeah, there was one time that was just, you know, way too way too close where you know you feel the heat just pulsating on your face yeah so i mean but luckily never once have i been actually hurt in any kind of thing so i was gonna say um if only the audience knew right like you're thinking it on shit and then you're just like yeah i still want to go on there like great performance but you're just like if only you knew right 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if only you knew, like, you're, you're sweating your eyes out because the heat just coming off of the pyro in your face, you know? <laughs> um, moving forward, I guess, um, you know, you, you put out some other music. Um, one that's obviously caught attention in Australia, yeah. where I'm born and raised, was uh, looking to my eyes. Um, you know, do you want to go into the background of sort of creating that track and, and I guess, you know, the thought behind it? Yeah, so looking at my eyes kind of came about in a funny way. At the time, um, Pitbull had done a, a remix of Body, and um, Pitbull was like in love with in love with Body and wanted to work with me uh, personally. And so he had done a writing camp out in Miami and invited me out. I came out, and one of the producers there, his name was Avedon. You know, we kind of connected, started started working on tracks for Pitbull that never never really worked out. But we said, hey, like when we get back to LA, like let's work together. We both came back, got in the studio probably a week after the the writing camp, and for the first song that we made together was "Looking in My Eyes," and it was because uh, Avedon at the time was really big into flips. Like he he wanted to do a flip of anything you know like any kind of especially like an 80s to 80s or 90s r&b song you want to do a flip of it and at the time i hadn't done any flips but you know i just kind of go with the flow i was like oh that sounds cool like let's do it and so we started playing through a spotify playlist of like 80s and 90s tracks and uh the original to look into my eyes played and instantly knew that was going to be the one to, to work on went into the went into the vocal booth uh, sang, sang the hook just to see like if it works, sang the hook, came back out. He played it. He was like, oh, this is like for sure the one we need to run with this. So then just, you know, sat through the rest of the session working on the track itself, you know, rewriting like the verses and the priest to be more modern. Um, and then probably a month or so after that, I had already had a lot of relationships at Armada based on La Luxury and, and Body. And so sent it over to Armada and they, they instantly loved it, wanted it to be released like that day practically. Uh, they, then I signed my record deal with them based on that. Uh, it got released and then in Australia it just picked up rather, rather quickly, honestly, it was amazing. Especially on radio, it just, just like flew, <laughs> flew instantly. And ever since then I've been, um, hearing hearing about like the success in australia while i'm stuck here in my apartment you know in quarantine <laughs> <laughs> i can't help you much with that honestly oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> did you have like numbers that you wanted to hit with that as well with a look into my eyes now that you had success with body obviously oh uh, not really um especially since it was my solo project i just wanted to do like cool things you know um Looking to my eyes, like obviously I wanted, I wanted it to be successful, but didn't have any very specific streaming numbers or anything like that. Like, oh, it needs to be huge on the radio or, you know, anything like that. It just kind of clicked, you know, like same, similar as body. It just clicked and um, very, very quickly after being, it being released, just started doing so many, so many interviews and lots of like FaceTimes. Because that was right when we went into quarantine. And so just, you know, start doing the whole lineup of, of radio calls and trying to, trying to deal with um, 
for some reason my phone blocks calls from Australia, like without a doubt, like every single time. And so the like radio stations would call, get blocked. I'd have to then try and call back and then talk to like my label in Australia to try and get it reconnected. And, you know, just started that whole ordeal, which has been funny. That's uh, that's an expensive call. I was going to say those international call charges, man. Nah, I'm not a <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They don't want to pay it, so. <laughs> um, so you haven't actually been out to Australia then? No, unfortunately, no. It's funny because I have a lot of Australian friends. Uh, and, and Loud Luxury had been out to Australia, but I hadn't gone out with them at that time. Uh, so I still need, to, still need to go out and experience it for myself. Everyone that I know that's been or that's from there says it's like, most amazing country you could go to honestly it's, it's a cool place man i've got a couple of my buddies um out in new york they've come to uh melbourne like my hometown right. and uh right. a few times like over the last couple of years and uh they've wanted to move every time like they they want to miss their flights every time to go back home <laughs> so uh you know i can't, can't recommend this place enough um i guess moving forward now that you know I, we're in quarantine um oh. Yeah, you're still trying to put out music. You're still trying to, you know, build on that career. What's, what's right. the plan, um, you know, end of this year? We've probably only got 20 days or something like that. But um, the plan, I guess, for 2021, early 2021? Uh, the plan is definitely to release more music. Um, I'll probably have a song, another single come out end of January, early February. Um, yeah, I guess the, the plan right now is just to release as much music as I possibly can, as much as, as much as the label wants to release and allows me to release, uh, up until the point where I could finally start traveling and especially, especially come to Australia and, and play some shows and see everyone in person. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of, it's, I mean, it's kind of a rudimentary plan, but that's, you know, that's all basically anybody could do right now is just try and work on music and, and release as much as we all can. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, um, I guess outside of music, we haven't touched on that. Like, what do you sort of do to, I guess, take your way, take your, your brain and, and sort of relax yourself, I guess, because you could just be in a, in a sort of, um, what do you want to call it? You know, just, just sort of in it all the time. Um, right. What do you do? Do, do, you, do you do other things outside to sort of, I guess, you know, calm the mind, calm the body, whatever you want to call it? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely just um, just simple things, you know, like, hanging out with my girlfriend, watching Netflix, Hulu, you know, just the, the Oh, you're a simple guy. Yeah, very simple. Oh, it's funny because I, uh, you talked about Ben Simmons before, Ben Simmons trainer, you know, like I'm a big basketball guy. So I'm always on YouTube uh, watching random basketball highlights and, and little videos talking about, you know, different players, different new players, all that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of what I do to, to relax my mind and, just kind of zone out for a bit before before getting back into it brilliant man um i think on that note we'll uh we'll uh wrap this one up um it's been a pleasure to have you for uh 30 40 minutes um you know stay safe um keep pumping out good music because obviously the australian public love it <laughs> thank you so much man yeah actually when i come over we should all meet up for sure for sure